Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. I had a gal, a little, little older than me, and she challenged me to never have more than one major and one minor commitment outside the home. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Let's be honest. Many of us struggle drawing boundary lines in our life. Our desire to please others overshadows our ability to be true to ourselves. But drawing lines is actually a healthy thing to do. It takes wisdom to know what we should be doing and what we shouldn't because we can't do everything. So in this episode of the No More Perfect podcast, we're going to talk about what it takes to draw some lines, specifically as it relates to making commitments outside the home and the family. I'm a huge believer in being a volunteer, taking leadership positions, but I also know what it can do when it's outside of our capacity, when it's outside of what's right for our family in this particular season of life. And so we're going to talk today about saying no, and specifically 12 principles for saying no. That's pretty specific. 12 strategies for saying no that I think are so very important to understand. But let me first uh, clarify why it is that I think that this is so very important. One of the most powerful books I read early in my adult life was a book by Dr. Richard Svensson titled Margin. And in that book, he talked about the importance of white space in our life. And I, as I read those pages, I began to realize I didn't have a lot of white space in my life. Now, he talked about white space in lots of different areas of life, your time, you know, we need downtime. We need time where we can have uninterrupted conversations with those that are most important to us. He also talked about needing white space in your money, uh, that we need to have an emergency fund and that that helps to make sure that there is cushion when life gets hard or we have unexpected expenses. So he really talked about margin in lots of different areas of life, but I specifically knew that I needed to increase my margin in my time. 
I needed to be careful about my commitments. I needed to actually bring some commitments to a close and have a different lens that I looked at requests for my time through. And some of the strategies that I want to share with you today are strategies that helped me to do that, but they're also strategies that I still use today. Um, In fact, just yesterday, I got asked to do something and I was honored to be asked, but I had to say no. And does that still bother me a little bit? Sure. I, I think it bothers most of us who have some sort of people pleasing desire inside of us. And I would say that's most of us to some degree. But I also, when I sent off that email and said, thank you so much for Uh, thinking of me on this. I sure do wish I could say yes, but this isn't the right thing for this season of my life. Um, I also felt a sense of freedom. I felt um, a sense of even accomplishment. Like I just accomplished something really important. I said, no, (laughs) I know that sounds crazy, but when you've been an, a yes addict, then it, it really does give you a sense of freedom. It gives you a sense of accomplishment when you're actually able to say no and to know that it was the right answer. Now, I'm a firm believer in saying yes to a lot of things on a regular basis. Some of you have taken my Yes Mom Challenge. I issued that many, many years ago, and I still get pictures and stories from different people saying, I'm working, I'm still working on being a yes mom, or I read about being a yes mom in one of your books. And I want you to know that has really changed the way in which I respond to my kids. And those kind of yeses are not what I'm talking about in today's episode. Those yeses are really important. And the concept behind being a yes mom In fact, I can tell you exactly when it started for me. It started one day when my two youngest boys came running in to the house. I believe it was over 100 degrees outside or close to 100. And they said, Mom, Mom, can we try to uh, cook an egg on the sidewalk? And my immediate answer was, no, you're not going to cook an egg on the sidewalk. And they kind of turned around and went back outside with these long faces. And, you know, I was always saying no to whatever silly, crazy thing they wanted to do. And that day, I feel like God just kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, Jill, it's time to think outside the box on this. Like, why is it a no? And honestly, I had to look at why it was a no was out of my own selfishness. I didn't want to deal with the mess. I didn't want to sacrifice the egg. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but that's what I struggled with. And so finally I went back to the door and I said, hey guys, come here. And they said, yeah. And I said, yes, you can cook an egg on the sidewalk. And they did. (laughs) And it was, I mean, they just had so much fun. And yes, it was soft scrambled if I remember right. But that was a day I became a yes mom. And and I try now to be a yes nana when my grandkids are here and they ask to do something fun or silly. And, you know, my my default is to say no. I tend to be a black and white thinker. But 
you know, what I really try to do is say yes when I can, because I want to reserve that no for the things that really do matter in their lives, the things that they really shouldn't be doing. And then uh, to be able to incorporate the yes whenever I can. So we're not talking about that kind of yes or no in uh, today's episode, which by the way, I will uh, link to the Be a Yes Mom blog post that I first shared, which I think actually has a picture of the soft scrambled eggs on it. So I'll, I'll share that in the show notes as well. If you need that encouragement to be more of a yes mom or a yes nana or a yes papa, I know I've got guys that listen to this as well. So today though, what I want us to talk about are the important boundaries, the ones that help us to keep healthy white space in our life. And that white space reduces stress. That white space uh, actually deepens relationships because it gives us the time to listen well. It helps us to tune in to the nonverbals that are going on in our family environment. Because you see, when we're too busy, then all of a sudden the we miss the cues. You know, we we have a child that melts down and we treat the symptom, the meltdown, and demand that they stop melting down rather than see the root that this child is overwhelmed or they're struggling or they need to express their emotions. They need to understand what their emotions are. And so when we're too busy, when we don't have white space, we miss those cues and we chase after symptoms instead of, of dig into root issues. So what we want to do is we want to learn to have balance and yes, we want to be able to offer our skills outside the home, uh, but we want to make sure that we do that in balance and that we don't do it too often in a way that causes stress, in a way that maybe doesn't cause as much stress for us, but it causes stress for our family. In fact, that was a place where I really had to understand the value of saying no. One of the things my husband and I talk about in our book, No More Perfect Marriages, and in our marriage challenge that we encourage people to take, which I'll put a link to in the the show notes as well, is we talk about what's your capacity level. And I'm a high capacity person married to a low capacity guy. And my high isn't better than his low. His low isn't better than my high. We just are. We're just different. And capacity means that it refers to the amount of plates you can spin before you get overwhelmed. So I can spin eight or nine plates and before I start getting overwhelmed. Mark can spin one or two plates before he starts getting overwhelmed. Now, honestly, I need his low capacity to increase my margin, to slow me down. And sometimes he needs my high capacity to keep him going and to encourage him and to spur him on. So this is a way that God paired us up. It's good. But before we understood it, it was frustrating. And not only that, I used to think, well, that's fine. I can spin my nine plates and he can spin his two. And it's no big deal. But the truth is when I spin nine plates, it affects him. It starts adding plates onto his his spinner. And 
I had to begin to realize that I couldn't just live this, this high capacity life and it didn't affect anyone else because it did. It affected my availability to my children, not only to maybe be at their events or to do, you know, help them with their homework, but to tune into their hearts. So I had to realize that if I lived alone and I was single and I, you know, my life was not touching other lives on a regular basis, I could live out my high capacity to its fullest as long as it was emotionally healthy for me. In other words, I also had downtime. I had time to tune in to what was going on in my soul, time to spend with the Lord, that kind of stuff. But as long as I am living with other people, my choices do affect them. And that's why saying no is so very important. So with that in mind and understanding the reason why we need to say no, that it enhances our self-care, it enhances our soul care, it enhances our relationships, um, let's jump into some real specific practical ways that we can be intentional about saying no. Here's the first one. Keep in mind that you know what's best for you and your family. Okay, only you know what's best for you and your family. The person that just asked you to serve as the brownie leader for your child's brownie group does not know what's best for you and your family. Only you do. You are the keeper of margin. You are the keeper of self-care. You are the keeper of balance in your family. Nobody else knows that. Nobody else understands that. Nobody else is keeping the pulse on that. Only you are. And so you need to understand that that is your number one priority is to know what's best for you and your family. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you know, it appears like, you know, to someone who's asking, you know, because you're a stay-at-home mom, you have so much more time. You know that that's not necessarily true. Depending on what season of life you're in, motherhood takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of time. Maybe you work outside the home and uh, your job is a commitment outside the home. And you know that you need to figure that in when you're also considering volunteer opportunities. So keep in mind that only you know what's best for you and your family. That's number one. All right, number two, never say yes on the spot. This one has been a huge help for me. Never say yes on the spot. Always tell them that you will pray about it, which you sincerely should, because we should be taking all of our opportunities to God and saying, what do you think, Lord? Is this for me? Is this the right timing? Is this the right season of life? Uh, is this a good match for my skills and my abilities? Is this what you're calling me to in this moment. And see, we can't ask all those questions in the moment. And so it's so important to kind of step back. The other thing is it, when we say yes on the spot, we also can't, we can't 
adequately look at the big picture of our commitments and consider whether this is wise or it isn't. So let me tell you about a time when I broke my own rule, okay? A time where I broke my own rule of saying yes on on this on the spot. I had been doing this really well, but I got caught at church one Sunday and it was a simple request. A gal was having twins. She was on bed rest and I was approached by someone who was arranging meals. She said, Hey Jill, you know, would you be willing to take a meal to Amanda and her family on this Thursday? And I thought, you know, real quick, I thought, oh, I need to, I need to not commit. I need to not say no. And then I thought, oh, it's only a meal. I mean, it's a meal and I have to cook for my family. So what, you know, it's no big deal to just cook for an extra, just to double whatever I'm going to make for my family on Thursday. And so I said, yes. Now what you need to know is for many, many years, I led an organization called Hearts at Home. And we did this big conference for moms for 24 years. And the, the conference took place in March. This happened to be in March, about a week and a half before the conference. So it was a little crazy season of life for me. But again, I reckoned, you know, it's okay. I'm going to make food for my family. I'll make food for Amanda's family as well. Well, you know, it's a little bit of a crazy season. We're getting ready for this big party that we're throwing for 6,000 moms. So I have a lot on my plate. And Thursday comes around. And my husband and I sit down to dinner along with our kids and I have made a incredible meal. I mean, I made meatloaf, I made baked potatoes, we had green beans. I think I'd even made pudding or something for dessert. We ate so different than we do now back then. But I remember it was just this this meal that I'd worked really, really hard on way better than the cereal I had fed my family the night before. (laughs) And I remember we, you know, sat down, we prayed. And then my husband said, Jill, this is so such a good meal. Is this what you took to Amanda and her family tonight too? And all of a sudden I was horrified. (gasps) Oh my gosh, Mark, I completely forgot to take Amanda a meal. He said, are you kidding me? You, you said it would, it was this Thursday, right? Like I was standing next to you at the church and it was, this, yeah, it was today. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It completely slipped my mind. I ran to grab my phone. I called Amanda. I began to profusely apologize. Oh my gosh. I am so very sorry. She was like, Jill, (laughs) when I saw your name on there and I knew that the Hearts at Home conference was around the corner, I thought, wow, I'm surprised that she is bringing a meal. I said, yeah, Amanda, I never say yes on the spot. It's a personal guideline that I follow for making commitments, but I said yes on the spot. And had I not done that, I would have stepped away and gone, this isn't a wise season. Give me a time a month from now. She's still going to need food then. (laughs) And bless Amanda's heart. She was very grace-filled and very kind. She's like, Jill, we've had so many meals. We just, I mean, by this time it was way past dinner time. It was way past when I was supposed to deliver it. She said, we pulled out leftovers from something people brought earlier in the week. It's no big deal. But I was so frustrated with myself because I knew better 
I knew better and I knew that I should not have said yes on the spot. So that is a guideline that I want to encourage you in. Never say yes on the spot. All right. So number one is keep in mind that you know what's best for you and your family. Number two, never say yes on the spot. Number three, when considering a time commitment, make sure you take into account prep time. All right. Let's go back to my meal with Amanda. Okay. That meal doesn't just appear, right? I have to make sure that I have the time to prep it. Um, You get asked to bring cookies to some event, you know, unless you're going to go purchase the cookies, which a lot of times we do, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to bake them, maybe it's a bake sale and you're going to bake the cookies, you've got to have that prep time. And so ask yourself, do I have the prep time this week, next week for whatever it is I'm being asked for? And if so, then a yes is possible. But if not, then you probably need to say no this time. So make sure that you figure that prep time into the commitment that you are making. All right, number number four, when considering long-term commitments, make sure you consider all the household responsibilities and time constraints that accompany them. All right. So what we've talked about up to this point is kind of short-term commitments. So a short-term commitment is going to be, you know, baking brownies or taking a meal to someone, but a long-term commitment is going to be something that you are committed to over, you know, a length of time. You're saying, yes, I will teach Sunday school every Sunday or every other Sunday or once a month, and I'll commit to that for a year, or I'll commit to this for the school year. And So make sure that when you make a commitment like that, you think about all of the other responsibilities that you have. So, you know, it may seem like becoming the president of an organization you really believe in is something that you want to do. And maybe you're even called to do it and it is the right thing for you to do. But after a few months, you begin to realize the phone calls, the meetings, the errands have begun to take up time that you usually used for laundry or house cleaning or paying the bills. And you're realizing that, oh my goodness, wait a minute, I didn't take these things into consideration. So make sure that when you're considering long-term commitments, you think about where it is you'll fit those in, the, the, the responsibilities that come with that, where will you fit it into your day? All right, number five. Carefully consider the brain space that the responsibility will require. (laughs) I mean, think about this. I'm sure we have all done this. Have you ever been listening to your children, but really you're thinking about a new project or you're thinking about the hundreds of things you need to do? Because when your mind is cluttered, you're really not mentally available to your family. So we have to make sure we're not putting too much on our plate that has our brain somewhere else. And then we're not mentally available. So make sure you think through the brain space, the brain space that this is going to take, especially if it's a long-term commitment. And it's something that you know 
that you need to be really careful about. For me, I've recently been thinking about this. We are creating some new online courses and I've been talking about doing a new, writing another book. I've got two books that I really have in my head and my heart. But just the other day I was thinking about it and going, I have to be really careful that while we're creating these new courses, I'm also not trying to create a book. That will not allow me enough brain space for either one. And not only that, it won't allow me enough brain space to be available to my family. So we need to think about that brain space. All right, number six. This is for all of you type A driven personalities out there. Remember, every minute of your day does not have to be scheduled. (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm preaching to myself here. This was, this is a tough one for me because of that high capacity, high, high passion that I have for life and the opportunities that are in front of me. I tend to have a doer mentality. And then I think of a spare hour or two as a way to fit in one more. Yes. Tell me I'm not the only one here. In fact, I know I'm not the only one here. I hear from you all the time. So sometimes we actually need to have the ability to do nothing. Sometimes nothing is a catch-up box because the amount of time that we allotted to get something done, really, it ends up taking a lot longer than that. Um, Sometimes doing nothing is that moment where you realize this is what white space really looks like and you tune into your child's heart or you have a long relaxing conversation with your spouse Uh, you're not running from one thing to the next flitting you know like a like a butterfly flits from one flower to another you're actually kind of slowing down and tuning in and honestly guys Sometimes we need to schedule nothing on our calendar, especially if we're a calendar queen. Our calendar drives us and we need to literally schedule. You could call it margin. You could call it white space. You could call it nothing. You could put it on there, keep open. But that's really important if you're a scheduler. If you're not a big calendar person, you still need to have this in your mind that you don't always have to be filling your the hours of your day with things that need to get done. Sometimes we can fill it with things that we enjoy doing. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to my interview with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith on the importance of rest, uh, really what we're talking about here dovetails with that particular podcast episode, she talks about that there's different kinds of rest, not just sleep, but different kinds of rest. And as we learn how to say no in our life, as we learn how to have more margin, it opens up the possibility of engaging in some of those kinds of rest that are good for our soul that keep us from burning out, that pour into us and give us life. Number seven, set a limit to the number of long-term commitments that you will carry. So this was some wisdom that was shared with me many, many, many years ago when I was a young mom. I had a gal 
little, little older than me. And she challenged me to never have more than one major and one minor commitment outside the home. One major, one minor. I'd never heard of this concept. So I said, explain this to me. And she said, a major commitment is something that you are committed to day after day, week after week, month after month. So, you know, however often that commitment is, you're committed to it on a recurring basis. So therefore you're thinking about it, you're planning for it, you're organizing it, and it's taking regular time. And so never have more than one major at a time uh, because that's, that's too much. And then you don't have the white space. And then the same thing with a minor. A minor would be like taking a meal to Amanda. That would be a minor commitment. But here's the problem. I already had a bunch of minors that week in getting ready for Hearts at Home, which really I shouldn't have had more than one minor, but just the nature of the circumstances of getting ready for an event. I already had several extra things that were just kind of a one and done that needed to be done that week. And I had no business adding another minor to it. So in other words, you get asked to bring snacks to the soccer team. Um, then when you get asked to bake cookies for the brownies, you don't th do those in the same week. You don't do them at the same time, one minor at a time. So one major, one minor. And this was huge for me because when I got asked to do something big, I knew that that meant that if I wanted to do it, I had to resign from the other big thing I was doing. And I mean, it wasn't easy to sort through that, but it was so very important. So set a limit to the number of long-term commitments you'll carry. Think one major, one minor. Oh, by the way, on this one, before we leave it, Sue, so in the last four years that Hearts at Home existed, I moved to full-time employment at Hearts at Home. I was the only full-time employee that Hearts at Home had. Uh, the other 25 or 30 members of our staff were part-time and I moved to full-time. I was traveling on behalf of the organization. I was speaking, I was writing. It, I was carrying a lot of responsibility. And one of the things I learned during that season of full-time employment is for me, full-time employment became my one major outside the home. And I chose to not carry any major volunteer commitments outside the home. I was asked during that season to serve on several boards. I was asked to do some things at church and I had to go, no, my full-time work is my major and I'm only making minor commitments right now. Things that I can uh, do quickly and they don't take a recurring commitment. So keep that in mind as well. If you work outside the home full time, that you may want to consider that a major commitment. And you'll want to be really careful about adding another major commitment to that as well, because that's already taking a lot of time and energy and brain space from you. And so you want to make sure that you still have margin in your life as well. Number eight, ask for accountability. So <laughs> especially if 
this is a place that you struggle. Asking for accountability can make a huge difference. I know I asked my husband for accountability when I was learning how to say no um, more regularly. I would take any request of my time to him and I would say, okay, help me think through this. Am I going to ask to do this? Do you think this is a wise decision? Do you think not? What do you, you know, when you know what my other commitments are, what are your thoughts on this? And um, what a difference that made. Uh, Because honestly, most of the time, all I had to hear myself do was say it out loud. And I knew the answer. So I used that never say yes on the spot as an opportunity to tap into my accountability. I also have a friend that I would run things by as well. And that was really important. And so ask for accountability. If this is a place that you struggle, you know that you need someone to process it with you, ask for that accountability. Number nine, when you do say no, don't feel like you need to give a long list of excuses. This is really important because a lot of times we'll say no, and then it's like we feel like we need to rationalize our no. We can just simply say, thank you so much for thinking of me, but at this point in time, that won't work for this season of my life. But I'm honored that you ask. So just simply say, it won't fit into your schedule at this time. Thank you so much. Maybe it is something that you could do later. Like it would have been very appropriate for me to have said, that day that, you know, I got asked to take a meal to Amanda, it could have been, you know what, let me think on that. I want to take Amanda a meal, but it needs to be at the right time. So let me think on that and give you a call back. Now, in those moments, let me tell you something that I do that really makes a difference. I put whatever I just said I would do, I actually put a reminder on my phone. I use my calendar or I put an alarm on my phone that, so that would have been Sunday. I, I had, I said, let me get back to you. I would have put probably an alarm on my phone for Tuesday, right in that moment in front of that person. So that I don't just say, I'll let them know. And then I forget about it. So I open up my alarm on my phone and set it for Tuesday at two o'clock. And that would be my reminder to get back to that person. And then I would have looked at the big picture and realized, you know what, I'm going to say no for this Thursday, but I'll say yes for the last Thursday of the month of March. Because at that point in time, I'm two weeks out from the Hearts at Home conference. It's a better time for me. And so I could say yes, but I could say yes in a different way and with a different commitment that worked better with my time. So when you do say no, don't feel you need to give a long list of excuses. You can simply say no, thank them for thinking of you, but you can also say a delayed yes or a modified no. In other words, no, not right now, but yes for later. Number 10, keep in mind that you don't have to say yes simply because you're capable. Okay. So let's talk about this for a moment. Probably one of the most powerful statements I started saying to myself is, Jill, you're capable, but are you called? This was a question I would ask myself, Jill, you're capable, but are you called? Let me tell you when this hit me. 
So when we first moved to this community, which was a long time ago, 35 years ago, we moved from Indianapolis, Indiana, first to Lincoln, Illinois, and then eventually to Normal, Illinois, which is where we live now and where we raised our family. And when we first moved here, a new department store opened up, and that was Von Mauer. I don't know if you've ever been in Von Mauer, but Von Mauer is a very nice department store, and they have a live pianist that plays the piano all day. And my background is music. My degree is music education. I taught piano and voice for 15 years, played the flute, played the bassoon. So when Von Maurer came to town and I knew they were hiring pianists, I thought, that's for me. I absolutely would love that job. I mean, just think about it. Somebody would pay me to play the piano for four hours a day. They did four-hour shifts. And I thought, that is the perfect job. And I was a stay-at-home mom at the time, so I thought, you know, a couple of four-hour shifts once or twice a week, no big deal. And my husband supported me in it, and I applied, I auditioned, I got the job. And I started playing at Von Maurer. And honestly, I thought my hands would get tired in four hours. It wasn't my hands that got tired in four hours. It was my back uh, to sit there and to play for those four hours. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really did. But then something just wasn't settling in me on this. It was like, it was, it was a good fit from lots of angles, but something just didn't feel right. And that's when I began to go, you know what? I'm capable of doing this but am I really called to do this? God, is this what you're asking me to do in this season of my life? And that's when I got the no answer. No, I'm capable, but am I called? No. This was taking away, at that time I was running Mom to Mom, a, a ministry for moms in our church. Hearts at Home hadn't yet started, but I had little kids. I was occasionally playing organ for weddings. And sometimes I was a soloist for weddings and I had plenty on my plate. I was capable, but I wasn't called. You may have really strong leadership skills and you'll be likely asked to lead just about anything that you're involved in. But that doesn't mean that you need to say yes to those things. You really should only say yes after you have considered your time availability, volunteer responsibilities, family commitments, what you might need to give up to properly do the job, and above all, whether you're truly called to do that in this season. Because you're probably capable of it. You're capable of a lot. But are you truly called? Number 11. If you have too much on your plate now, Reevaluate those priorities. This is really hard for us to do because we don't want to disappoint anyone. We don't want to let people down. But what we can do is we can finish well. So when we determine that we may be capable of this, but we're not called to it, or when we determine that we have committed to too much and we don't have enough margin in our lives and we need to increase the white space. 
then the next thing that we need to do is we need to reevaluate our priorities. We need to think about where would be a good stopping point for this. And then we need to, to begin to, to work towards finishing well. And, you know, that is important. I also remember reading a book years ago by, I can't even remember who wrote it. I think it was Cloudin Townsend on, it's called Necessary Endings. That was a good book for somebody who struggled with saying too many yeses and not enough no's. That there are necessary endings in life. Um, that there are, uh, sometimes there is a time for things to come to a close, even things that you're enjoying, even things that are at a good spot, uh, that sometimes that there needs to, to be an end that happens for that in your life. And so uh, reevaluate your priorities and begin the process of finishing well. Um, begin praying for who maybe your replacement might be. Uh, begin asking God to show you if there's anybody that it, it's time for them to step up. And even if your replacement isn't evident when you are ready to leave, you can trust that he has a plan in place. If he's led you to step away, he's got a plan in place. And that takes us to number 12. And that's this. Remember that saying no allows others the opportunity to say yes. Your no is someone else's yes. Oh man, that's hard for us to grasp, especially if, you know, this is something we want to do and we really struggle because we want to say yes. But the truth is that it may be somebody else's season and they can't have the opportunity to say yes until you actually say no. So as hard as that is, that really comes down to being a trust, a place of trust and trusting that God is in control. You don't have to be uh, trusting that God's got it covered. You don't have to do that. Um, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide and it, and the Holy Spirit doesn't need your help. <laughs> um, I speak specifically to those of you that struggle with control. And I speak specifically to myself on that one. So what we need to do is we need to trust that God's got this and that our no may be somebody else's yes. So let's just review those real quick. Keep in mind that you know what's best for you and your family. Never say yes on the spot. Always take time to think and pray and consider the big picture. When considering a time commitment, make sure you take into account prep time because it's going to take prep time to do whatever it is that you've committed or you're considering committing to do. When thinking about long-term commitments, make sure you consider all the household responsibilities and time constraints that will accompany them. Carefully consider the brain space that this responsibility will require. Remember, every minute of your day does not have to be scheduled. You need white space and downtime. Set a limit to the number of long-term commitments you'll carry. One major, one minor maybe. Ask for accountability if you're ready to make some changes. When you do say no, don't feel like you need to give a long list of excuses. Just thank them for thinking of you 
and let them know it won't work for you at this time. Keep in mind that you don't have to say yes simply because you are capable. Ask yourself, I'm capable, but am I called? If you have too much on your plate now, reevaluate your priorities and begin the process of finishing well. And then finally, remember that saying no allows someone else the opportunity to say yes. I hope this has been helpful for you. I'd love to know what has been your, uh, maybe the, of the 12 strategies I shared, which one has been the most helpful for you, the one that the light bulb went on. And if you're so inclined, uh, share that with me over on the show notes page. You'll find it over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. Let me know which of those 12 made a difference and you know that it's going to help you moving forward. If you want to take some next steps in this, I actually wrote about these in uh, my book, Real Moms, Real Jesus, Meet the Friend Who Understands, uh, which is a great book for you to take some next steps. I also wrote about it in uh, Professionalizing Motherhood, which is my book that I wrote for stay-at-home moms. I'll make sure that I put a link to both of those in the show notes page. They're also available in on Amazon, anywhere that you buy books. But I also want you to know of some brand new resources. Uh, we recently uh, redid our website and we have three free eBooks that I want you to know about. If you go to jillsavage.org, right on the front page, jillsavage.org, and you'll see that there are three free eBooks. One is called Pause, one is called Energize, and one is Connect. Pause is about self-care. And I do talk in there about the importance of margin and having the time and the space to take care of yourself, because when you take care of yourself, you do take care of your family. Energize is all about energizing your marriage and connect is all about connecting with your kids, no matter their age and stage of life. So I want to invite you to head over to jillsavage.org and take advantage of those three free eBooks that Mark and I worked on and want to give you um, so that you can be intentional about taking care of yourself, taking care of your marriage if you're married, and taking care of your family. Thanks for joining me. If you're not already subscribed to the No More Perfect podcast, do so and leave a review so that others can find it if you have found this to be helpful. Have a great week. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.